What's going on, everybody? This is Joe Guarneri. Thank you for tuning in to the epilogue. We're back after a uh, a slight hiatus. I uh, began a new job in January, and I've been putting my mental energies into that, um, of course. So I'm excited to get back into the, the podcasting world. Um, especially after finishing the novel I'm going to talk about today, and that is Crossroads. Um, The latest book from Jonathan Franzen came out in October. Um, I finally got around to reading it, and this book for me was highly anticipated um, because I've been a Franzen fan for a long time. begin with the with the corrections which is really I think everyone's entrance into friends and um and then freedom and went on from there so a quick word about Franzen so he gets called pretentious he gets called a mediocre writer disguised as an intellectual one he's described as kind of show-offy and I think these criticisms are a reaction to his demeanor and his attitude in interviews more than they are his books. In the grand scheme of everything, in the grand scheme of American literature over the past, let's say, 30 or 40 years, his books are not overly pretentious. Sure, he's influenced by a certain type of writer of high stature whose books are experimental and to some obtuse you know the the gaddises and the the wallaces and the delillos of the the american literature landscape but i think all of that for him is just an influence his books to me have have never come off as him trying to imitate he's more trying to find a a place within that history. So his books, for the most part, are pretty straightforward. Um, sure, he can have some show-offy prose at times, but the narratives are pretty much fit to the modern age and to the modern reader. And I, I don't know that he's tried to make them out to be more than just that. So let's get into the book. So Crossroads, to me, is his best book since The Corrections. I did love Freedom, but Crossroads is a a smaller scale book. So you have a pastor's family in the 1970s Midwest, free of the chaos of modern technology, free of that sprawling commentary on global affairs and climate crises and all of that that defined his other books, particularly Freedom. Um, I think this is where Franzen excels the most, these these small-scale books where he's exploring human nature psychologically. The guiding questions he's trying to answer in this book are interesting ones, and I think that they are questions that need to be asked in our era more than ever. So questions like, can true passion be 
balanced with religious values? What does it take for someone to be redeemed in the eyes of God or redeemed, you know, even within their own eyes? Is it possible to balance natural urges within the constraints of family life? Is extreme self-sacrifice worth it in the name of a good cause or a noble cause? Can one's relationship with God evolve as they do? Is there a need to make up in adulthood for the shortcomings of one's adolescence? These are all questions that the book attempts to answer, and I think the book does a good job of allowing the reader to answer those questions on their own. This is not a preachy kind of book in my eyes. The point about this book that's been talked a lot about um, is that it is part of a trilogy. So it's going to be um, a set of books that explore the Hildebrandt family intergenerationally. And it is going to go from the 1970s, which is when Crossroads takes place, and apparently end in the 2020s. So that's going to be really cool, and we'll talk about more about that towards the end. But the name of the trilogy is a key to all mythologies, which is um, a very clear reference to George Eliot's Victorian novel, Hiddlemarch. And the influence of that book on this one, I think is not as clear as I expected it to be, but we'll get into that. I had an advisor in college and I went to school for English and he was a scholar of British literature. And I still keep in touch with him pretty regularly. Um, and we recently speaking over email about it'll March. Um, cause I was actually reading it. Uh, and he said something very interesting about George Eliot that I think you can apply to Crossroads also. So he said that George Eliot truly understood human nature. And I think a lot of, of novelists claim to understand human nature, but they don't always have that understanding. I think Eliot had that understanding. And I really think Franzen is proving to uh, the literary world more than he already has that he understands human nature also. His take on it is, of course, fit to the modern age. But that's where I think the philosophical connection to George Eliot is within Crossroads, is the the exploration of human nature under the conditions of its time. So back to Crossroads. So Crossroads is, again, multi-generational. Um, you have Russ and Marion, the matriarch and the patriarch of the Hildebrandt family. Marion is sort of born again without being officially a born-again Christian. Um, she goes... Th- through almost a, a self-rebirth after participating in an affair with a married man in her youth, which results in a severe mental breakdown. Russ is a pastor with a troubled family history. He always seems um, to be pulled between the 
austere religiosity of his father, who was also a pastor, and his beloved yet disgraced grandfather, who who was also um, a pastor. And he he spends the majority of the book on the verge of an extramarital affair with a parishioner of his. And those two storylines, if we can call them that, um, set the the stage for the largest questions of the novel. You also have their four children. So you have Perry, who's a precocious teenager um, struggling with depression and with drug use. You have Becky, who's sort of the prototypical popular high school girl who's balancing love, her first love, with her connection to to God. You have Clem, who's the oldest. He's a progressive atheist college student locked in the typical first year of college romantic relationship, and he is grappling with the guilt he's, he's feeling as he watches the men his age go to war in Vietnam while he lives a somewhat hedonistic college lifestyle. And then you have the youngest of the bunch, Judson, who appears in the other storylines, but who doesn't get a ton of focus within the book himself. I presume he'll be more prominent in the other uh, the other books as he reacts and tries to grow beyond the events of this book. So the most prominent character in the book, and I risk sounding corny here, is actually God. So he is present in nearly every decision, action, and consequence in the book, in the eyes of the characters. If something is done in the book, it is either in subservience to or in spite of God. And he is literally omnipresent in in the book. Crossroads is a novel of generational parallels, but each end of the parallel has different roots, if that makes any sense at all. Russ's lust for his parishioner, for example, is a major moral and religious burden on him, as is his son Clem's lust for his new romantic interest in in college. But the two carry the weight differently. Russ's internal struggle is between him and God, while Clem's is with his privilege and his progressive view of the world. He can't balance his all-encompassing new romance with his academic pursuits that he feels privileged to have. And he ends up cutting ties with his college girlfriend after failing pretty much in his first year. Russ actually does the opposite. He pursues this extramarital affair, which is driven almost entirely by his need to make up for the past. 
And so you can see how there's a parallel there, but Franzen inserts the parallels in order to contrast the different ways to handle a given situation. The same kind of parallel occurs with Becky and Marion. Both of them have relationships in their late teenage years with older men currently in relationships themselves. Becky's relationship is with someone only a year or two older than her, so it's not as drastic as her mother's, but the parallel is still there. But both of those relationships end up bringing both women closer to God, but in completely different ways. Marion comes closer to God after her mental breakdown, and Becky becomes more religious through her relationship with this guy, Tanner, who is religious himself. Perry, who's the the third oldest, is probably the most compelling character of the book as he parallels uh, the least with everyone else in the book. He shares the proclivity toward depression of his mom, but the drug addiction he deals with is pretty much foreign to the rest of the family. And this gives the the battle with addiction a uniqueness in a novel filled with relatively, you know, everyday types of things, guilt, young love, things like that. I may be looking too deep into this. I probably am. But I can't help but wonder if Perry is based off of David Foster Wallace, who, of course, was a close friend of Franzen. They kind of came up together. Franzen was just beginning to come up around the time that Infinite Jest came out. But they appeared on, you know, a bunch of talk shows and stuff together. Um, They were very close. But the similarities to Wallace, in my eyes, are all there. Perry is this highly intelligent, precocious young man who's fascinated with philosophy, math, but who can't seem to to get out of his own way. So due to his oppressive case of depression and almost incurable self-afflicted loneliness, he he can't seem to motivate himself to achieve what he's clearly capable of. And instead, he self-medicates with marijuana, uh, then quaaludes, and then eventually cocaine. His near overdose serves as the book's climax in a way. And the last we hear about him, he's undergoing psychiatric evaluation after spending time in a psychiatric ward, which is a parallel to his mom. His chapters are also the most well-written parts of the book. There's 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 a certain passion in them that are not in the other sections. And I'm curious if that might be because there's a little more for Franzen to grab onto personally there. So just a, a tiny bit of speculation on my part. And I wouldn't be surprised if that comes out, you know, in an interview 
that there were some similarities there. Another thing Crossroads does really well is show what happens when time does not heal the wounds and traumas and unfulfilled passions of life and the actions that an older version of a person will take to relive those moments or gain closure in times of weakness or vulnerability. This is prominent in the chapters that feature Marion and Russ. Russ, who's dealing with a midlife crisis, attempts to talk himself you know, into an, an affair to make up for religious, self-imposed limitations on sexuality that kept him from a more promiscuous lifestyle as a young man. And Arian reunites briefly with her former lover at her point of rock bottom in the book. And I think Franzen's moral here is the very basic point that facing down the past rather than repressing it is important for healing and growth and faith and all of that, but only when that confrontation with the past serves to improve the present and not to fulfill some short-term urge. So I want to get back to uh, the, the connections between the book and Elliot's Middle March because, again, I expected the influence of it to be um, a little more prominent or even a little more obvious. I thought if you're going to call the trilogy a key to all mythologies, that it was going to have a clearer influence. But I think the, the influences are there when you look into the book philosophically and even religiously. And I also think that the connections will become more clear as the trilogy goes on and as we learn about the trajectories of each character. If I had to to bet when the trilogy is over, you'll be able to compare the trajectories of Franzen's characters with one or more character from Middlemarch. If I had to, to bet, I'd suspect that Perry will end up with a Fred Fincy-like trajectory where his aimless, misspent youth one day gives way to a fulfilling adult and married life. Um, provided he has the the strength and the support to actually get there. I think that Clem will end up playing a Will Ladislaw-type part, giving up his immediate passions to pursue progressive political or social causes, only to realize in the end that what is important in life is one's immediate family. I think there's a chance that Becky will end up playing the role of a Rosman Vinci, a young mother who struggles to balance her popularity and her youth 
and her social life with motherhood. And I mean, if you're going to go real deep, you could also tie Arian to the character of Bulstrode with their disgraceful yet mostly unknown pasts and Russ to Edward Casabon with their hopeless pursuits of something that is losing meaning and prominence by the day. You can compare Russ's attempt to reaffirm the purpose of organized religion with Casabon's race to finish his opus, A Key to All Mythologies, which again is is where Franzen um, gets the name for this trilogy. And again, could be looking too far into this, could be finding parallels where there aren't any, but we'll have to see how this all turns out in the next two books. So the family we see at the end of the book is, of course, in classic friends in fashion, not the one the book begins with. It's fractured. The children are split with regard to geography and household. Marion has overcome her past and realized the importance of motherhood. She kind of has the most positive outcome, actually, but her her outcome actually serves to tear her away from her kids because she forgives Russ for his mistakes throughout the book, which builds this uncomfortable tension between the children and uh, the two parents. And I suspect that the next book will will pick back up with them still fractured would guess it's going to take place possibly in the early 90s because the the book is supposed to go to the 2020s so he'd have to get to the 90s we'll see but i assume it's going to pick back up and they're going to still be fractured and i think the core of that second book could be an attempt to reunite the family and that's going to be interesting. And knowing Franzen, it could be something totally, totally unexpected. But we'll have to see how he does this three-part series here. If if he's going to have them all be similarly structured and similarly toned and all of that, you know, we'll see. So I am very, very excited to see where Franzen takes this. If this ends up as a trilogy of 600 or so page novels. And if it does actually span 50 years into the 2020s, we could have ourselves a a, a true modern American epic, something really unique, a huge 1800 page work that gives us a glimpse into American life within every key era from the 1970s on the Vietnam War counterculture, the late Cold War, the Clinton and Bush eras, the war on terror, the elections of Presidents Obama and Trump, the rise of the internet, social media. If Franzen can truly capture the trajectory of an American family through all of this and really pinpoint how 
these changes in American life can change a family and do it with the high level of prose that he always has, we may be looking at our generation's legendary American novel. So that's going to do it for today. Highly, highly recommend Crossroads. Um, If you haven't read any Franzen, it's honestly probably the best beginning point. I think it's the most straightforward. Um, With regard to its prose, it's the easiest one to get into. I think the the corrections and even freedom prose wise have some some parts here and there that um, that may be difficult to jump into if you're not prepared but overall again highly recommend and um, if you enjoyed this feel free to reach out via social media i am on twitter at joseph guar so i'm always open to hearing how you're um, enjoying this so feel free to reach out that's going to be it and i will catch you all for next episode thank you